0: hello and a warm welcome to the maven people change podcast this is the place to find thoughtful and heartfelt conversations about leadership and organization development each episode is created with our listeners in mind so if you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear us talk about please do get in touch with us maven are thought leaders in the area of leadership and organization development and have a wealth of experience in this area. We have a thriving community, and we offer regular free events. You can find out more details via our website, maven.co.uk. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please do leave us a review on your favourite platform to help us grow our audience. Thanks so much for being here, and we hope you enjoy listening. Welcome to our podcast mini-series, Why OD? As organisation development is not something most people have heard of. I certainly hadn't before I joined Maven around two years ago. I'm really interested in hearing how people found themselves working in this world we call OD. In asking our six Maven consultants this very question, I found their responses really interesting and really varied. In fact, I found it brought a little bit of what makes each of them so unique and special to the fork. So these short 10 to 15-minute podcasts are a quick way to get to know the varied pasts and personalities of our wonderful consultants. And in this episode, I'm talking to our other founding director, James Trager. Hi, James Traeger. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit, just a little bit about who you are and and what you do?
1: So I'm a director of Maven, one of the founder directors. I started working with Martin and our other colleague, Tony Fraser, who's now retired back in, I think it was 2008 or nine when we first started talking about coming together, what became Maven in 2010. Um, And a lot of my work in Maven is supporting others to do the work, really. I'm I'm a sort of director of overseeing practice. And we have a particular meaning for practice. You know, what we tend to mean by that is how we show up in the work that we do with organizations and with people. And um, sort of more formally, I'm the director of qualifications because we have a partnership with the University of Chichester. And um, I'm the person sort of responsible for that at a kind of academic level for our masters and our postgrad certificate programs. Is that enough? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that answers. Thank you. Um, so, the reason I've invited you to do a podcast is because I think OD isn't something that most people have heard of, um, and so I'm interested in hearing how the Maven Consultants found their way into this thing we call organization development. So, yeah, how did you first hear of it, and how did you start getting involved with with OD?
1: Yeah. So, straightforwardly, I think one of the common roots in for people in organizational development or at least used to be perhaps less so now ironically because it's become a bit more mainstream but was in what you might broadly call community action or community activism and um so i was involved in the late 80s early 90s very long time ago now in uh, environmental activism in the area that i lived in which was sort of broadly southwest london on the borders of of, uh, home counties
0: Mm.
1: and um, I got involved in organizing a forum for all the local environmental groups to come together and work with the local authority at the time which was a London borough um, which became the first conservative authority to sign what was then the the Friends of the Earth local government charter which became Agenda 21 which, which fed into the whole COP kind of process in rio and and beyond and um yeah i was organizing this this group of very disparate people and realized quite quickly that i didn't quite know how to do that not Mm -hmm. at an organizational level but at a kind of human level in terms of all these groups with slightly different agendas and sometimes politically quite far apart from the kind of food cooperative on the one on the left-wing end to the surrey wildlife trust on (laughs) on the <laughs> a slightly less left-wing end and um so i needed some skills i recognized that there were skills i didn't have i didn't quite know what they were i didn't know what i didn't know but i had a sense that there was something i didn't know and what happened actually next was quite was quite serendipitous really and and probably synchronicity and i kind of I'm, I'm a bit of a believer in how the universe works in mysterious ways to be helpful at times but one of the things that came out of that forum is we set up an environmental center, like a cafe and meeting place for environmental interested groups and people and like an information center and whatever. Uh, and we had a cafe. and in that cafe, one day I came in to the cafe that I'd helped found. and on the table was were leaflets for a, a program at Surrey University called the facilitator styles and it was a postgraduate diploma in humanistic psychology and it was run by a group called the human potential research group founded by someone called john heron and they would run a post two-year postgraduate diploma in how, how on earth to run crazy groups like the one <laughs> that i found myself running and um that kind of happened and at the time i was running Uh, Well, working in a photo agency, which I ended up then running um, and running these in community groups uh, and this community environmental activist kind of group. And I found myself on this postgraduate diploma in humanistic psychology, um, this facilitator program along with people from bt and hewlett-packard and all of these people who worked in organizations doing this thing they called change and od well they didn't really call it od then they was called things like change process and and uh gestalt practice and uh facilitation and that kind of thing but um that was that was kind of my way in and so i was quite kind of Sort of starry-eyed with all of these people who worked mm-hmm. in these well-known names, and this whole world that opened up into this world of you know human change processes, and mm-hmm. that was kind of my way in. So, and I think the kind of activist way in, the kind of community organisation way in, is one of the common ways in, in that mm-hmm. kind of crazy paved world.
0: Mm. Like mm. because pra- practically, you needed to get these disparate communities talking to each
1: other yeah and uh interestingly in the end I was kicked out of that group um because I was (laughs) too facilitative (laughs) they what they wanted was to be more uh which is typical in activist groups they wanted to be more aggressive um refused to kind of adopt a kind of a an enemy position oppositional type approach to Mm. to it so but by that time, I kind of moved on anyway, so I didn't even know I was kicked out of it for about the first three months. how <laughs> <laughs> um, what wonderfully activist groups sometimes work but um because actually interestingly, I found myself on this postgrad diploma with all these people from the NHS and as i said, b t and Packard and British Airways and other organizations and interestingly, there were only there were twenty one people on this program and only about six men Mm. and it turned out that one of the reasons I got on the program was I was a lot less qualified than quite a few of the people on the program who who got on it I'd done a psychology degree but I didn't have any idea about this world no experience in it I was in my 20s you know I was quite young and starry-eyed and um, turned out that one of the reasons I think I got on the program was because I was a man and they needed a few more men And when some of the women, including some of the women who've been on the waiting list to get on the programme, found out about this, because our world is a very female-dominated world, Mm. um, they were incensed. And this became a whole big palaver, a whole big uh, controversy in the group that we had to spend hours and hours and workshops of time working through, uh, as you do on those type of programmes. And um, it was a revelation to me that, that you know gender was an issue (laughs) (laughs) I said I was a naive young guy yeah yeah And, um, and that took me into being interested in these issues around gender and masculinity because it was a whole new world and that was my next stepping stone was doing work again at the kind of an activist level but more in corporate settings around masculinity in organisations and how men were adjusting to this changing time where women shock horror were starting to be in leadership positions and this was an adjustment that these men needed help to adjust (laughs) crazy old world and so I ended up doing that for 10 years actually that that work which led to me doing a PhD at the University of Bath in action research around masculinity in organisations and Took me into a whole world of doing work with with one of our associates Carol Daniels she and I did work in the police around gender issues what's interesting about all the stuff that's coming out now about the police is all of this came was coming out at that time which was in mm-hmm. the early 90s and there was some attempt to deal with it but it was so related to who the chief constable was at the time yeah. and we went from me and Blair who was very open to dealing with some of these issues like, the current chief commissioner is but because of the i don't know if you remember but there was a brazilian kid who was shot by accident by accident mm. during the whole scare about terrorism in london mm. uh, de menezes his name was mm. at stockwell station interesting enough and when, just where my son lives and um that meant that ian blair resigned and a new chief commissioner was ta- took over who was much less open to dealing with some of these issues Culture lurch back again.
0: Mm.
1: So again, learning uh, learning about you know how leadership and culture work together, which of course mm. is the thing because we were working on gender issues at, at in the Met at the time, and there was quite a lot of interest, which suddenly kind of disappeared. So yeah, very hierarchical organisa- organization. Mm. So yeah, that's sort of the next phase was doing the sort of gender rework. Mm. So I think actually OD isn't, you know, it's not enough to be interested in OD in itself. Sometimes it's useful to have OD and, and it was OD and community activism for me, or OD in the context of community activism. And that then it became OD in the in the interest of changing gender relations in, in the police. And, um, you know, now it's something else. Do you see what mm. I
0: mean? Mm. A kind of a,
1: it's not... Sometimes it's not just OD for the sake of it. It's mm. service of a particular view of change. Uh, and now I think the OD, OD for me is in the, in the service of a whole new world of learning in organisations. We represent core practice based learning, mm. which is actually much more about learning close to the grain of the work rather than removed from it and at arm's length. Mm. which Learning so often is in organisations. Mm. or go and, on a course and they go away to do an away day and you know everything is away from and actually how can you make learning much more of an integrated part of organizational life because mm-hmm. organizations don't have time anymore to send people away they need to do learning as they're doing the work and as they're changing
0: yeah that's perfect so that's OD for for me
1: the od has a purpose it's not just for the sake of od it's for the sake of changing something we want to change in the world
0: no i guess just hearing you talk about the kind of different places you've worked and the influence you've made that's got to be pretty rewarding in terms of seeing the making a difference
1: yeah um it is i'm really proud of what we've done as Mm. i think we have made a difference interestingly one of the one of the article that chapter that i've just written is about well what's the sort of difference that matters in terms of what's the sort of difference we make because I think what people think changes is big large scale Mm. programs and of course as everybody knows one of those comes along every week and usually makes a lot of noise and mess and then disappears again having not changed very much at all Mm. Uh, and what we've done a lot of the change we do is in the small things that matter as i call them the Mm. the relationships between people and how people run their their own life and their own work and how they show up in their own kind of relationships and practice and how they are enabled to do things better in a way that's better for them and also better for their organization and their colleagues and we think they're little things but actually they're the big things Mm. because we have this obsession with big bangs of change we we don't value them as much Mm. uh, because it's harder to see them it's a bit like you know it's only when that murmur that famous murmuration of starlings is flying we can see the patterns in it from the outside but we can't each bird can't see the pattern Mm. they can just follow the birds that they're following Mm. and um that's what we see is the, the wider pattern in you know that make those beautiful shapes that you see from the outside that add up to a bigger change but don't in themselves look like a bigger change and um you know over a thousand people have been through now i think over a thousand people have been through our program in the civil service and all the time now we get messages from people saying thank you it was the best thing that ever i ever did it was what it was amazing it's Really had a difference for me. It's helped me do my work better. It's changed my relationship with the people around me. It's had an impact on me in in my world beyond work.
0: Mm.
1: That's the murmuration. Yeah, lovely. You know, there's this whole idea of um, inheriting traditions and handing them on.
0: Mm.
1: You know, uh, I met some really impressive people when when I did that postgrad diploma, nearly. Thirty-five years ago, wherever it was, and uh, those really impactful people—you know, they're they're what they were doing and where they have gone—and you know, one of them actually died in November. John Heron, the guy who set mm. up that program, uh, he was ninety-four, and I think there's something about handing on a legacy to us, and we're going to be—you know—we've got people doing our masters, we've got people doing the programs that we run and we're handing that legacy on mm. and that's what you ever do i think is you hand a legacy on uh, and that's you know that's what makes it valuable
0: i think mm. nice okay we'll leave it on that shall we
1: is that is that okay is you yeah need... yeah no it's perfect there's probably, probably 10 seconds in there
0: that can... <laughs> not there's lots in there okay thanks james
1: all right great
0: Thank you so much for listening to us today and we hope to see you next time. Take care. Bye bye.